You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up, y'all? Hey, Hey, Kyle. Kyle. Hey, it is the dead of winter. It's December. It's, uh, we are, uh, what's the temperature in Colorado on 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 a December day? Like today, it'll usually be 40s, 50s or so. so. I mean, sometimes it gets down to the 20s and 30s. But the thing that is different is like it's a warm 30. I know that sounds crazy, but it's uh-huh. drier here. The sun is out. You can be in a t-shirt and be 35 degrees and be okay. Okay, wow. that feels like straight up propaganda. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, sunny and 35. You could ski in a t-shirt. Like, and- <laughs> Anytime we ask you about how things are in Colorado, you're kind of like, well, what's it like there? So I can make this sound exactly. better. No, I feel yeah. like I feel like he very much does exactly what you just said. Where it's always <laughs> like, yeah, tell me what's what's the weather like there? And you're like, dude, don't do what you're about to do. You're about to try to hoodwink us. Here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the weather is right now. Hang on, let me pull it up. It is currently. Give me three seconds. One, two. Come on, app. It is crazy. Wow, this is anticlimactic for the listener. No, 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 I'll tell this you. It's going to be climactic. It is 39 degrees, uh-huh. high of 45, and a low of 30. And there are people outside my window right now in jeans and t shirts. God bless Colorado. Maybe we're just God tougher. Bless- JT English. God yes. bless JT English. One of a kind. One of a kind. Uh, in many more, more ways than we would we care to say on the episode live. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so this is our last Genesis episode of the season. But don't worry, it's not our last episode of the season uh, because next week is the mega Q&A episode. So many great questions. But before we did the Q&A episode and wrapped up, which is coming out exactly when you think it is, it is coming out the week of Christmas. It will be our, consider it our Christmas our gift, gift to you. To you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but this week, looking into the next week, we wanted to wrap up Genesis. We've been covering Genesis 1 through 11. And next semester, the next season of Knowing Faith, we will be covering Genesis 12 through the end of the book of Genesis. So if it took us one season to go 11 chapters, just imagine what it's going to be like when you jump on the train from 12 to 50 in one season. We have no (laughs) idea how it's going to go, but I am sure that we will... We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. I mean, Genesis 12 through 50 is going to get talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're recapping Genesis 1 through 11. So let's just start with this. Let's. It'd be good to do just a kind of a very high level recap and summary. Uh, JT, how does the story of Genesis start off? Give us the first couple of chapters there. In the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. So we see that this God who... Uh, implicit in the story has existed always. He is eternal and he is all powerful. And just by the word of his power, he speaks creation into existence. Anything that we would see physical and spiritual is created by God. We we walk through how he, he then he forms and then he fills and how he's creating this world and he's calling it good. This world is, is, is made for, uh, to, to, to demonstrate his goodness and beauty. The pinnacle of this creation is image bearers. Genesis 1 through 26, 126 to 28 talks about how Adam, Adam, or humanity, both Adam and Eve, are created to represent and reflect the goodness and beauty of God to all of his creation that he has just made. Because, and then he says it's, it's very good. 
Yeah, but instead of reflecting God, they choose to rebel against God, um, trying to subvert his word and his authority by really inverting the created order. They listen to the voice of the serpent. They eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They end up naked and ashamed. They have not just eaten the wrong fruit from the wrong tree, but they have rebelled uh, against the Lord who created them and holds the whole earth together. And in doing so, they find themselves alienated from God, uh, alienated from a true knowledge of self, alienated from one another, and alienated from the natural order. And we hear that there are going to be consequences because of this rebellion. Um, but there is also hope uh, in the light of this rebellion that God is going to send one through the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And uh, we end that fall account with that story of rebellion with a, just a glimmer uh, mm -hmm. of hope that Eve is the mother of all living and that God has covered them in uh, covered their nakedness and their shame. Uh, but yet things continue to spiral out with the story of Cain and Abel, where the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel, and there is uh, increased exile, meaning Cain is scattered and he's supposed to live scattered and live in exile, really as the consequence of his sinful rebellion. The world continues to just become increasingly wicked and increasingly evil, which brings us to the story of Noah. Yeah, so we're given two genealogies that show us that there's this unrighteous line and then there is this righteous line. Um, we're told that people begin to call on the Lord as things get darker. And then we find ourselves face-to-face -face with Noah, who is a man of righteousness in a time of great darkness. Um, he builds the most famous boat in all of history at the command of the Lord. And he and eight family members are brought through a decreation uh, and a recreation narrative they are carried through the waters of death to life on the other side, thus setting for up one of the biggest themes that we see in scripture. Um, and then on the other side of it, we find that while judgment has been meted out on the human race, unfortunately, the sin problem lives within humans uh, and has been carried in the heart of Noah and in the hearts of his family. And so uh, we're, we receive the message, even in these early chapters, that uh, a great deliverer will still be needed, one who is not uh, carrying sin in his inward being. Um, Moses, uh, Moses gives us the picture of Noah falling into sin. He then gives us the implications of this in a way that is telling his original audience, this is why you are going to meet these great enemies as you enter the land of Canaan. So it's a story for them and for then, but it's also a story for us and for now as we evaluate our great enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and how they beset us every day. Um, we're then issued from that story of Noah and the flood into uh, the table of nations, everyone's most riveting and favorite passage in scripture, uh, <laughs> which is showing us what happens actually after the Tower of Babel, how um, humankind is spread across the face of the earth and, uh, and is now speaking in many different languages as we see um, at the Tower of Babel, God frustrating their efforts to be city builders on their own terms. God will have a city built. He will have it built according to his terms. And no matter what opposition is set up by humankind seeking to do now in, uh, in, in Congress or, or with one another, what was first done in the garden, he will reign and rule supreme. Yeah, man. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm super proud of what we just did there. <laughs> 
I'm just saying that we just in about four and a half minutes that we just uh, clocked that out and that not none of us interrupted the other and none of us yes. took issue with summary. And let's just say that's a pat on the back for all of us for this episode. Okay. Small um, golf clap, Brad. If we get yeah, a yeah, golf little, clap. little little golf clap here. Um, what major themes have stood out? I'll just I'll start here. A major theme for me that stood out here as we've been exploring it that I don't know was as near nearly as pronounced uh, when we started was creation and decreation. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, Jen, I think a lot of that's been you helping point that out. Um, but uh, I had not really considered that creation decreation flow and cycle. And I, I, I had, I certainly had seen it in the Genesis account. I had maybe seen glimmers of it in the story of knowing the flood though. You, in that episode, you really brought that to my attention. And then I don't know that I had seen it in the tower of Babel story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt a little bit like, oh man, this is really a uh, kind of a, it's, it's a lot more pronounced than I thought it was. Yeah. And that's a good theme to be paying attention to in Genesis because Moses, the author of Genesis and Exodus and the the other uh, books of the Pentateuch is gonna continue in that rhythm. So once we pick up on it in Genesis, we walk into Exodus with clearer eyes to read that text. And then Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are gonna follow. And then because everybody reads those first five books before um, they start getting into their own writing in the New Testament, you see it, the same kinds of patterns play out there. Yeah, that's a big important theme. Um, I think another one that we didn't spend a ton of time on, but actually came out when we were um, visiting with Tish Warren is the theme of of darkness and light, which the New Testament authors spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, in the gospel of John, obviously, um, and in John's epistles, you see it, but you also see it in the writings of Paul consistently. So I think... uh, thinking about that theme as, as, as our audiences out there maybe spending time in the epistles to pay attention to any mentions of darkness and light and ask, how did, how did we see this first with a God who speaks, let there be light into darkness? And what are the significant um, ideas we can take from that? Two themes that come to mind for me that correspond are just sin and grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think two, I think one of the main things we're meant to take away here is why is the world the way that it is? Well, because yeah. of our sinful and wicked rebellion, but also we can trust ourselves to this loving God who extends grace to us through the seed of the woman through covering our shame. And he is moving, uh, he's not moved by history, but rather he is moving redemptive history towards the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent once and finally Mm -hmm. for all. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's good. We saw fruitfulness and multiplication. We saw what it looked like in righteous terms and we saw what it looked like in unrighteous terms. Yep, yep. And I think another thing that we saw was uh, the the relationship between uh, the work that God is doing uh, for the whole of creation and the work that God is doing for like this chosen line or for his people specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we talked a lot about righteous and unrighteous lines and seeds. And we can see even in Genesis 1 through 11 that there is God as he rules and reigns over all things. Mm -hmm. And there is God's special rule and reign over his people. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so then that also that theme of uh, dominion, which we saw introduced in the in the chapter one account, we've seen how dominion was something that was supposed to be um, um, put into place through collaborative human acts mm-hmm. um, in, in, in relationship with God. And instead, when sin enters in, that we go from dominion over the things we were intended to have dominion over to wanting to have dominion over one another, fellow image bearers, and to subject them to our own reign and rule. 
Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up His anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of His immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. Jen, when we started this uh, into the season, you introduced some worldview questions, mm-hmm. some big questions for us to ask, and that maybe we would find some answers to. Do you remember what those questions were? I don't have them off the top of my head. Yeah. So, um, how did we get here? Yep. Uh, why are we here? Yep. So, what's our purpose? Um, what's the problem? And what's the solution? Yeah. So, let's just, how did we get here? That's a major question we wanted that, like, we believe, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a big question. Have we found an answer to that question? Mm-hmm. Where'd we come from? Well, I, we get a big answer in, in Genesis chapter one that not just we, but everything that we know and can see and can perceive and even things that we can't perceive came uh, came at the at God's divine fiat, that he's the one who spoke everything yeah. into existence. So he is our origin. Yeah. And in fact, we pointed out in that first episode on Genesis one, that the Bible actually backs up the question of where did we come from by by beginning with the doctrine of God and how yeah. important that is. Yeah, so we we uh, we got here because God created us. At, like as Psalm twenty four one says, uh, the, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, mm-hmm. the world and those who dwell therein. Mm-hmm. He's founded upon the seas and established upon the rivers. God has created everything, mm-hmm. including us. Why are we here, JT? Why are we here? Have we got an answer to that question? Yeah, Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight tells us that we're here to uh, take dominion, as Jen was just talking about, to cultivate God's glory, beauty, and goodness to the ends of his all of His creation. That He is the God of creation. And and he is the one who's rightly to be worshiped, honored, and praised over every square inch of what he's created. And he created humans to make that possible, that we would extend his dominion to the ends of the earth. And that 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 task is still ours as we mm-hmm. seek to make image bearers of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And to the question of what's like wrong with the world, what's the problem? We got a very strong answer. Uh, to that, which is uh, human rebellion, sin mm-hmm. against God. Sin mm-hmm. is the problem. Uh, and uh, that it is humanity's rebellion against God that has sown all manner 
of brokenness, sin, death, and wickedness into the heart of humanity and also into the order of the world. And mm-hmm. uh, so whether through, whether it's a tsunami or it's the death of a loved one or it is habitual sin or it's the idolatry of the human heart, when we ask what's the problem with the world, the answer is sin and mm-hmm. the impact of sin on the world around us. Mm-hmm. But we're not left without hope because we're left with some hope. So what, mm-hmm. what's the solution? What's the solution? Here, That's right. And so we had whispers of that solution in the promise that was given that Eve would give birth to the seed that would crush the head of the serpent. And then um, what I love is that we're given, you know, all four of these questions are given at least a preliminary answer or a whisper of, of the big answer that we see, you know, drawn out through the rest of scripture. But then they continue to sort of layer upon one another throughout these first 11 chapters. So we know that there is going to be a savior who comes but with each new um, potential deliverer or 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 um, or little D deliverer that we see introduced into the story, we're going to meet with a disappointment at some point. And we'll even see this, especially as we get into Genesis chapters 12 through 50 and, and the books that come after, um, because we're to understand that the problem is bigger than we thought it was uh, over yeah. and over again. It's reiterated for us. And not only that, but you know, that that creator God idea, um, that where did we come from idea means that this God who created everything also has the right to decreate and recreate as he yep. chooses according to his infinite wisdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, these are the major questions that were asked and we have answers to those big questions. We, we don't have answers to all the questions. Mm-hmm. What lingering questions or, and by lingering questions, I don't mean like, what are things that you're doubting that you weren't doubting before we looked at this? I mean, more like what are interesting thoughts you've had or things that have come up that you feel like, you know what? I need to like, I want to think on that a little bit more. I mean, I know for me, our discussion around sons of God, mm-hmm. however fiery it may have felt, <laughs> uh, was really good to just kind of like, you know what? Like I was thinking, uh, afterwards, I was like, you know what? I, I'm not as familiar with the Deuteronomy passages that we talked about. Uh, the, and I need to go take a look at that. And then the idea of it being the difference between the two lines, I uh, like the righteous line and the unrighteous line playing out there. I felt like, you know what? I need to go back and look at some of the arguments that have led me to the interpretation I've taken on that and hold that against this other school of thought a little bit more closely. I just hadn't done the work on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I felt like, oh, yeah, I need to think about that a little bit more. What else? I think for me, in the training program that we used to teach, we spent a lot of time uh, walking through covenants. Like that's the linchpin of of what we did. And and I think we didn't do justice to the Noahic. Actually, I know we didn't do, I didn't do justice to the Noahic. Neither did I. It can kind of be one of those covenants that, well, look, Matthew didn't do justice to it. He just went to the, you know, son of David, (laughs) son of Abraham. Like you can kind of (laughs) rationalize it for yourself, you know? Uh, not in the sense where like, okay, therefore we can do it too. But like he had a, yeah. a specific purpose of, of why he drew attention to Abraham and David in Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. And I, I just think, man, I really want to do some more careful thinking about the Noahic covenant as if it's not kind of this add-on that doesn't mm-hmm. matter as much. It's just, well, he's not going to flood the world again. But but how does it relate to like, well, he saves people through an ark and Jesus yep. saves people through an ark. Moses is comes comes as a deliverer to God's people, same word is used there as ark, this little basket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does Noah fit in as a linchpin to this biblical story is something I want to give some more thought to. I agree 100% with mm-hmm. that one. I mm-hmm. think that is a really good one. I felt the same thing. Even when we were discussing the Noahic covenant, I was like, 
this is a, it's clearly a covenant, but I don't know how to communicate it in, in importance in the same way that I could talk about the uh, eternal covenant of grace or the mosaic or the Abrahamic covenant or, or the Davidic covenant or the new covenant. I, I feel like, man, I, I feel underdeveloped in that area. Me too. Yeah, it's definitely the redheaded stepchild of any covenant discussion. That's true. I think for me, I'm realizing that um, I need to spend more time in Revelation than I have. Like, I, I feel like uh, it's a book that I've avoided because of all the weird stuff that's out there about it. And uh, like, I, and for those of you who are about to DM me, please write a study on Revelation. I'm just putting my hand in front of my face right now to tell you, please let me live my life. Um, that's, a, that's a big commitment. And I, I like, I'm, I'm entertaining the idea more than I ever have, but I'm also recognizing... Send the DMs, send them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I, but I... I I know that one of the reasons I put it off is because I haven't, I haven't given the thought to it that I should personally, like I need to spend some time living there. And, 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 um, mm-hmm. and now I feel like I'm in a better position than I've ever been in to connect what Genesis is saying to what Revelation, Revelation has to say. But really JT and Kyle, you guys have helped me uh, draw those connections through the years and conversations that we've had. And I think that my takeaway would just be, I need to, I need to keep, moving toward that and not because I've had a habit of saying, I'll get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that's really good. That and interesting that you, you read the first book of the Bible and after looking at it, you're like, I need to go look at the last book of last the Bible. Last book but, of the Bible. Yeah. But I think, I, but I think you're absolutely right there. There's a book in here where these two books are clearly mm-hmm. in conversation in a mm-hmm. way that I, I wouldn't be able to connect the dots, but they clearly are riffing off, especially Revelation 21, 22. But I would imagine whatever things that we're seeing there that mirror Genesis 1 and 2, there's got to be other resonances and echoes through the book of Revelation mm-hmm. on that topic. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be really fascinating. I feel like I know the obvious points of connection, but I should spend time getting into the more subtle ones. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, let's do this. I want to read Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And I, all I kind of want to do here, I'm not going to, we're not going to teach Genesis 12. We're not about to walk through Genesis 12. I just want to see it and maybe make some, kind of answer a question that an Old Testament scholar uh, poses. Well, he doesn't pose the question. He makes the statement and I have a question. And I think it'd be a good way to kind of end this season. Uh, Genesis 12, one through three says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, an Old Testament scholar says about this passage, the call of Abraham, the, what we just read, is the answer to the problems of the world. What could they possibly mean by that? If we've just, we just recapped Genesis 1 through 11, what could he possibly mean when he says the call of Abraham is the answer to the problems of the world? I feel like when I heard this the first time, as somebody who's given a lot of thought to this, to the, the whole story of scripture, like, I think if you ask the average Christian, uh, how significant is the call of Abraham for your salvation? Maybe they could say, well, it's a part of the Bible. Abraham's a big deal. But like, would they really say the call of Abraham is the answer to the problems of the world? I don't think so. So what could, what could this person possibly mean by that? 
I mean, what what they're saying is, and this is why we're going to continue through Genesis over the rest of the uh, ne- next semester, is they're saying that these three verses are perhaps the most important three verses in the entirety of the Bible. Now, from a theological perspective, we know that every single verse carries equal important weight. I'm not trying to prioritize some words over the others. What I'm saying is, is that what this scholar is getting right is they're saying the rest of the Bible marching forward from Genesis chapter 12 is absolutely fundamentally unintelligible without these three verses. Mm-hmm. Like these three verses are the linchpin for cut for the, for God's redemptive history of covenant moving forward. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, Abraham emerges within the structure of Genesis as this answer to the plight of all humankind, the line of disaster and of the curves from Adam through Cain, through the flood and to Babel begins to be reversed when God calls Abram and says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the great reversal. This is the beginning of the great redemption that we've been looking for, where God is going to promise to restore all things through one family and ultimately his seed. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we talked about those foundational questions. This is an amplified uh, understanding of the question, what's the solution? It's going to start to unfold for us. And this is that foundational statement as we'll see, you know, where the text has now, it's gone from looking at um, a man and a woman in a garden to looking at the whole world being wicked to going to Noah and his family in a garden to going to the whole world being wicked. It's now going to zoom in on this one man and his line and it's going to stay there. That's the way that the text will be for the remainder of the book of Genesis. This laser-like focus on here comes the seed who will crush the head of the serpent. And But there it is, it is a twisting and turning road, uh, fraught with surprises and uh, very mm. equivalent to the most wild soap opera that you've ever tuned into on any channel ever. Oh, yeah. Because when we when we get into Genesis 12 through 50, let me just tell you something. Uh, Paul says in Romans uh, about Abraham, but no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of mm-hmm. God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. But I got to tell you, uh, I feel like when I read it, that's a pretty rosy look at old Abraham <laughs> because uh, Abraham is out of here. Listen, the guy is noble and righteous, but we're going to read all sorts of stuff. We're going to read about uh, protecting his, uh, you know, we're going to read about protecting his family. We're going to cover Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to talk about the rescue of Lot. We're going to have to get into Melchizedek. We're going to have to get into Abraham's travelings through the land that eventually God would give him and give his people. Uh, I mean, there is a lot to do. We're going to get to Joseph and a coat of many colors and a sell into slavery. I mean, there's a lot that we're going to be covering next season. And I think the reason that Genesis 12 is so important for that is I think you're right, JT. This becomes Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and then in chapter 15 and 18 and 22, as this call is solidified into a covenant cut, uh, and then as that covenant cut is then now embodied as an identity marker for the people in the seal of circumcision. I think that as this plays itself out, we get a picture here that Abraham, Abraham is going to be, I mean, everything else in the Old Testament is really flowing out of this belonging in Abraham. I mean, you get the constitution of a new people. And you're, yes, I agree with you, but not just the Old Testament, the new. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is like what I'm saying is, is just canonically moving forward. Genesis 12, 4 to Revelation chapter 22 is completely unintelligible without these, of what God is going to do through Abraham and his family. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
It, also, in, 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 a, in a twist that I think will surprise no one, we will continue to be highlighting the role that the women are playing in, in the text. I think that often as you're going through, you know, they call this the patriarchal history, and it can even give the, the impression that this is a story that, you know, really is about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But there are some really key female figures that are going to play in here to what's going on and the idea of barrenness and how that mm-hmm. relates to God's promise of fruitfulness and multiplication. Those are going to be themes that we'll get to explore as we go through um, these next um, chapters 12 through 50. Absolutely. I'm really excited about it, honestly. Like it was when we were thinking about the topic for next season um, and we were all like, yeah, why don't, like, why don't we do Genesis 12 through 50? It was like most of the time, let the listener understand when we've talked about a topic, we've had very, like, we've been like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it's been a lot longer, but we're like, yeah, let's just keep going through Genesis 12 through 50, which I felt like that ne- it's never that easy. So yeah. that was awesome. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I really am. And it's going to be fun to continue to do so. And I just want to pause and say thank you to the listeners. Uh, I know we don't say this enough, but for those who are listening to Knowing Faith, it is really like, we're really honored mm-hmm. that anybody listens to this and yeah. tremendously grateful uh, that you and listen. And a little surprised. And a little surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we really are. It, we're tremendously grateful for the fact that you listen. We're honored that you listen, that you share it with friends. So many of you send us messages about how this, how the Lord has used this or how the Lord is using it. And we can't respond to all of those, but I just want you to know, we're really grateful for that. We're grateful that God yeah. has chosen to use this in those ways and um, just honored that you'd stick with us. And so I honestly am more excited about next season than I've probably been about any season that we've had. And standing between this season and that is a mega Q&A episode. And we, <laughs> and, and true Knowing Faith Q&A fashion, it's, it's wheels off. It's wheels off. We did so um, much better. I was so proud of us. Yeah, it yeah, was. We actually it was, got through a lot. Like we did. It was, it was more composed than it normally is. I think also too, we weren't intentionally trying to snipe each other, which <laughs> helped. <laughs> there are times when I think all of us are a little bit saucy, and we're like, "Yeah, all right, I'm going to tee you up for this." Uh, but. Uh, no, it'll be really fun. So listen, hey, you can join the conversation by finding us on social media at Knowing Faith Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can go to patreon.com and check out some of the cool stuff we have going on over there. If you want a little bit more behind the scenes stuff or a dedicated newsletter or some unique merch stuff uh, and Patreon uh, users, uh, we really are grateful for your support as well. I mean, honestly, when we set it up, we were like, people are going to do this. <laughs> And so we're really grateful to have you as a part of that conversation. Uh, Our next episode, we'll answer your questions in a mega Q&A episode. We're really excited. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace.